Hi, and welcome to the Citizen Femme podcast, the show where we learn about the journeys of 12 inspiring women. In this episode, we are talking to someone whose Instagram account makes me weep with joy every time I see it, the designer Fiona Leahy. Fiona, I'm going to let you introduce yourself so you can tell our listeners who you are. Oh, hi. Um, It's so lovely to be on here. Uh, My name is Fiona Leahy, and I am an event designer, but I guess um, more known as a tablescape, tablescaper. (laughs) So, um, yeah, that's what I do. And uh, I've been doing events for 15 years, but um, my passion has, you know, is the art of the table, which um, somehow in the zeitgeist has become a really popular thing, which is wonderful. Tablescaper, I think you're the queen of the tablescape. <laughs> you can say that about me. I just can't say that about myself. <laughs> I'll take it. When you were a child, did you dream of? Is this something that you loved doing? Did you dream of doing this? No, I didn't dream of. Um, I, I really wanted to be a fashion designer. But what's strange is, um, recently I was kind of think I was. My dad opened a restaurant when I was about twelve, and I remember getting really excited by the plates. And he also, it was a steakhouse, really odd because I'm vegetarian, but it was a steakhouse and he had these really amazing plates that were wooden and then they had like bulls in metal and then the steak would go on the bull. And I was like, oh my God, these are amazing. And I remember getting so excited by buying plates and cutlery for my dad's restaurant or trying to choose it. And uh, I just had that flashback in the summer where I was like, oh my God, yeah, I've been really obsessed with tabletop. Um, And then, you know, I grew up in a a small hotel. So um, we were very much like, there was a restaurant in our basement and our kitchen was, you know, a professional kitchen with like real chefs and stuff. And so I guess really hospitality has just been in my DNA. Um, and uh, to earn money, I would waitress in, in the restaurant. And so I would be setting tables. So I was kind of, you know, I started setting tables very early on. So growing up in a hotel and I think your grandmother ran a B&B. My grandmother had a bed and breakfast. Um, and yeah, it's really interesting. I do think that, um, that what I do and tablescaping and, um, the art of the table is like a really heightened domestic art. And, uh, and I do love that because I, do, I think that there is something that's really um, practical, like, you know, there's a practicality to setting a table for breakfast, say, in a and b and then, um, again, in a, in a small hotel. But you, you can elevate the practical to kind of an, an art form. And I think for me, um, I didn't grow up so much with, you know, a world of like entertaining, but I did grow up with a very practical um, side of, you know, you know, a restaurant or a, or a B&B. I think practicality is so key because when you're doing it for home or for entertaining, it's often something that's neglected. Same with interior design. You mm. have to look at the practicality and how you're going to use that setting, which people often neglect. Oh gosh, yeah. And in, there is a really interesting, I think the whole phenomenon of, um, say, the way tablescaping has captured, I mean, it was incredible in lockdown. Um, I think my friend uh, Kelly Eastwood, the London Chatter said, and I thought it was so pertinent and so funny, but she was like, tablescaping is the new street style like you can't go out and be photographed in your clothes, but everybody's photographing their tablescapes. Um, but you know, when you know when you watch it all unfold on Instagram, it's really interesting because what does look good on, in a on Instagram or in a picture 
sometimes doesn't always feel that great in real life. And I think there is a very, um, there, like when you're doing events for a living, like I have been doing, you do have to become very attuned to what's practical and what works in real life. You know, uh, for example, you can't have a huge candelabra in front of somebody's face <laughs> or really high flowers. Um, and so I guess it's a very good training. You know, it's a very good training to be, to do events or to wait tables or to, to do any of those things because it is an, you know, it is, it looks really pretty, but you have to be re- really, really practical. Like you really do. You need a measuring tape as your best friend. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I've been to so many events where they put these beautiful big flower displays or candelabras in the middle. Oh. I said, please, can you move it? I can't have to. The person opposite. It makes no sense. No. It's lovely, but it's not practical. Yeah. I mean, there, there could be even, I mean, I have seen it happen where you could have like, this is the tablescape for Instagram. Now let's just take it apart for the real dinner. <laughs> yeah. So did you study this or something creative at university? Um, oh my gosh, I, I'm the classic dropout. I went to college really briefly. I did a course in, I wanted to do fashion marketing. I did that very briefly. And then well, before that, I did Greek and Roman civilization, which was super handy. <laughs> Actually, I love Greek and Roman civilization. I did a philosophy and Greek and Roman uh, civilization just because I was interested in it. Um, uh, but no, not really. You know, I didn't finish college. I dropped out of of that course and I dropped out of fashion merchandising and I honestly think the school of life for what I do is the best I have and I also think um it's funny how your passions and interests can inform this like when I moved to London um I didn't have any idea what I wanted to do but I took an evening class in embroidery and I love embroidery but it's a really good lesson to me that you know I did an embroidery class and then uh, that's how I fell into my work. Somebody was like, oh, wow, you love embellishment. You should work for this person. And, you know, it, it led me to where I am now. But I, f- I feel like if I hadn't done that little Monday night evening class in embroidery, I would not be doing what I'm doing. That kind of serendipity of doing something that you're just interested in, not because you might get work from it or it might lead to a career, is a really important um, seed, you know? So did you ever work in fashion and then move towards events and tablescaping? Oh, yeah, yeah, I did. I When I moved to New York, I became, um, I worked for a big producer who did uh, like amazing, like the Gucci shows, Hugo Boss. Um, and I worked on doing the seating plans for those on the front of house. Then through that, I was more of a creative though, but but it was really fascinating for me to go to these huge shows in New York, like so amazing, Um, and watch all the shows, Anna Sui, like all of these amazing shows. And I was like, how old was I? 21. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Um, And then I met Patty Wilson, who was the um, fashion editor, the American fashion editor for ID. And I was assisting her and she was doing the most incredible, the most incredible work with David LaChapelle, Terry Richardson. And she would, you know, she was so busy that then she started delegating to me. And all of a sudden I was styling Whitney Houston, um, you know, when she was doing The Preacher's Wife. And that was just amazing. And uh, then I did my own uh, styling work. But, you know, I really, really, really love fashion and I really loved being a stylist but it just didn't fulfill me I just felt there was something kind of not superficial that seems like but it just didn't really it didn't I just felt like I couldn't I didn't want to do it for a living it just felt 
I don't know. I just, it, it, it didn't feel like it was my calling. So I had an identity crisis and moved to London and, um, yeah, tried a number of different things. I was an agent and I set up a still life division within an agency, which it's again, following that thing of still life and still life photography and, you know, and recently, uh, and still life stylists. And recently it's so funny. I've become employed as for many um, campaigns as a, as a, as a stylist, uh, but a still life stylist or a tablescape stylist. And it's so interesting to have gone from being a fashion stylist to say being on a John Lewis Christmas campaign, like I just was, and I'm styling and there's, you know, the call time and the photographer and hair and makeup and all those things, but I'm like arranging, uh, fruit on a table and, you know, doing the tablescape. And it's absolutely gobsmacking to me that I'm like, oh, wow, I'm back styling, but completely in a different way domestically, um, which I love. I absolutely love. But um, yeah, so I don't really have an, I don't have any training, but then I don't really think to do what I do, you do need training. I don't think, I don't, I think it's really experience and um, yeah, living. I think also having a good eye for it. I think having a good eye. Oh, I think also having a real appreciation for craft in my, you know, I love calligraphy. I have such a respect for embroidery, beadwork, illustration. I mean, I use the, the, the most amazing thing about my work is that I get to utilize people who are way more talented than me to do. I, I get to have crushes on people and then be like, okay, how can I do something with this person? You know, whether it's making jellies or um, sugar sculptures. Um, and I think to be, uh, to do what I do, I think you kind of need to be nearly a craft or a, a nerd in a way. You know, I've gone off and done um, courses in historic food and Italian or, and uh, Victorian confectionery making just because I was like, oh, wow, Marie Antoinette used to make pastelage place markers. Let me figure out how you do that. Um, but I'm probably quite far into that <laughs> extreme of being really interested in these things. But yeah, I think an interest and a passion in the, in the, in creativity is a huge help. Yeah. You seem like you're having fun. You can think outside the box and it's not a conventional idea every time. You can be really creative. Yeah, it can, you know, it can be fun. And what's, um, what's amazing is that there are restraints. Of course, there's restraints and restrictions, which is even more, you know, that's really what's great. Um, I, most of what I do is for a client. You know, it's not, it's not for me. It's, it's for a brand. Um, but I get very excited by doing things for brands where they have their own identity um, and then, of course, there's budgets. A budget is the is one of the most, uh, you know, people think, oh, my gosh, creativity, amazing. And I'm like, well, it is amazing, but every single creative idea that is put into action is a line item in a budget. <laughs> so you have to make it work financially. Um, but I do, yeah, I love that. Like recently I did this um, Versace party and I got to make Medusa jellies, which I was so excited by. I was just like... Oh, um, I, it was originally supposed to be a dinner and I got so excited by making like Greek key crystal napkins. Um, but it turned into more like a, um, a disco dinner. So we didn't do a tablescape as such, but I did get to do my Medusa jellies and I was really excited by that. So what was the first event that you worked on? Well, I was assistant creative director for Jay Jagger at Garrard. And the very first event I really, I really exercised my creative where I just was like, Oh God, this is really fun. And I really 
fell into a rhythm. I, you know, I got champagne sponsorship. I got Playboy to send cigars and dressing gowns. It was Jay Jagger's 30th birthday in Claridge's and it was a sleepover. But um, aside from that, well, I hired Dita to do her first ever um, performance in, um, in Garrard. But my first ever real event with, you know, a budget and responsibilities and, uh, you know, many, many nights of lost sleep was actually Deja's wedding to Marilyn Manson in Tipperary. So, yeah, that was my first one. So that's often listed as a really key moment in your career. At that time, did you realize it's waiting? Oh, gosh. You know, when Dita first asked me to consider doing her wedding, I was just like, oh, there's no way I can't do this. I've never done a wedding before. I mean, what do you, you know, I can't do this. But I actually then thought, you know what, it seems like it's, again, kind of that kismet of like, it's in my hometown. Um, I do enjoy doing these types of things. And let me just, you know, let me do it as a, as a project and see how I get on. And I had no idea, you know, I had no idea that, of course, I knew it was a high profile wedding. But, you know, I was equally that made me really nervous because there was a huge visibility attached to it, you know. Um, the thing about doing events is that it is really visible. If you make a mistake, it's really immediately <laughs> um, evident. Um, and so I was more filled with nerves than anything else. And uh, But, you know, after that, I had a big piece in Sunday Time Style. Um, I was the uh, Sheikh Amoza from Doha, um, got in touch, and I was doing big weddings in the Middle East. And really, that was it my career just it, it and it still has never really stopped so that's 15 years ago yeah but um in hindsight it's really interesting to see of course that was like a huge turning point yeah so of all the events that you put together over 15 years there must be some really spectacular ones which would you say or can you share any of the most extravagant ones I did a private um 40th birthday um in Montenegro and I wanted it to be really like fun and disco. And I got these, I had a like two huge lorries with mirror balls, like five meter circumference, giant mirror balls, all floating in a, in a pool. And I had divers to, you know, rig them. And, um, that was pretty amazing. And that was like a three day affair. And there were, you know, it was just wonderful. I, I had incredible caterers come out and, um, visually it was wonderful. The energy was wonderful. It was, yeah, that was great. What else have I, I mean, I kind of always feel like the last event I've done is always my favorite, but that's just, you know, because I'm more attached to it. That was amazing. Um, I've done so many amazing, um, parties and events that it's hard to really distinguish. I don't really have any favorite favorite. Of course, Deja's is one of my favorites because it's one of my my first ever. But then, you know, I, I kind of think of turning points in my career, say when I did my first ever Louis Vuitton dinner in the apartment on top of the store and I hired Joe Ratcliffe, the illustrator, to, you know, paint a paper tablecloth on craft paper. And I was a little bit like, mm, this is this going to work? Are people going to pick up on it? Or is it just going to look like not a great tablecloth? Is it a good idea or is it not? A, you know, I, you just don't know until you try these things. And uh, I was invited to be a guest at the dinner, which was amazing. And then um, 
I was nervous, of course. I, I get stage fright before dinners, really. Um, and it's kind of one of those things that when I'm invited to sit at a dinner, I slightly get, you know, I slightly get butterflies in my stomach. And um, But I was, there was a, a deafening chorus. It was before the days of Instagram, and I just wish I'd, I'd captured it. But it was so great. Like, people were just ripping the tablecloth before the food came everybody was ripping the tablecloth and rolling it up because they didn't want it they wanted to take it home yeah. and I was like oh my god people are ripping it up you know it was before I think what's interesting is that when we design things now you know sometimes clients say what's the Instagram moment what's the like what's going to be photographed it's part of your brief um, whereas there was something kind of organic about that thing that, you know, it really, you know, maybe someone would take a picture, but it wasn't really, you know, you, you know people ripping up a tablecloth before a dinner so that they could take it home was kind of like now what you would dream of, but it was hilarious. Yeah, that was a turning point. Um, oh, yeah, I did an amazing dinner um, for... Kusama in the Whitney Museum in New York. And I got to go to Kusama's um, studio in Japan. And I remember going and looking at drawings and looking at things and then picking a fabric that was actually made into tea towels. It was tea towels that she that she designed. And I was like, oh my gosh, these tea towels would make amazing napkins. Um, so I got to do an amazing tablescape you know, using Kusama's like Love Forever, the badges, her handwriting I made into neon signs. Oh, and I got to sit beside Martha Stewart at the dinner, which was to me, oh, I, you know, I just, that, that was, that was actually a highlight of my life. Yeah. Yeah. They're all flooding back now. I'm going to be like, oh, and this dinner was amazing. And this party was amazing. But that, yeah, that was definitely a life highlight. But they, I'm sure they're all incredibly memorable. How long does it actually take to put an event together oh gosh well you know you can really we did one just recently where honestly I turned it around and I'd say two weeks and that was but that's you know you don't want to be I mean ideally you have more time the other thing I mean I would say it's nice to have two months but it depends on what it is. It depends on the scale of the event and it depends on how much you're actually making and doing. The last event I did, we actually designed a Toile de Joy from scratch because we wanted it to be our own and we wanted it to be to represent what the charity was about. And so that takes days on its own. But, you know, and we're printing tablecloths and we were making table lamps and we we're making menus and, you know, ribboning, making bows or embroidery and making seat pads. But that, you know, it depends on the level of detail. Um, you know, a month is nice to have. And then there are some people that, you know, they might be planning a wedding. I think you can have too much time as well. I think, you know, sometimes people have a year to plan something. And to me, that is kind of nearly too much time because by the time I've designed something, I might have redesigned it and then redone it again. Uh, by the time it rolls around. So um, you don't need too much. I'd say like a couple of months is pretty good. Like some of my favorite wedding I ever did was in Positano. Um, and we did all of this. It was my first ever matchable wedding. And it was, we used print on print, blue and white, the block printed Suzanne and Yule plates. And we did that in like three months. Yeah. Three months is pretty healthy. I think it's not a huge amount of time, but it's enough that you have the traction to get it done. <laughs> That's great. That's not long at all. My wedding took a year to plan and it drove oh, me mad for gosh. a whole year. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's yeah. a lot. I mean, that two months or three months or one month, it must be 
pretty intense. Yeah, well, I mean, that's to design elements. That's not to plan everything. But, you know, to, to actually plan it, yeah, it can take longer. But, you know, sometimes you can turn it around. I don't know. You can do it. You can do it quickly. Ish. Ish. <laughs> Ish being the key part of that. What goes into creating that wow factor? I would say authenticity. I think that when you tune into... Say I have a client and I tune into who they are and I really capture it. That's how I think you create the wow moment because you get something that's really them and it's kind of identifiable. Do you know um, if that makes sense? I think we're a wow. Yeah, it, it depends on the person really. Um, but for me, when I think something's wow, it means it, I've really got the DNA of that person or that client completely right and the emotion they want to to create you know so your designs and your installations they are they completely transport the guests where do you get your inspiration from oh I would say a lot of my inspiration actually comes from movies I really have to say um love movies I think that in fact even in interiors I just did my bathroom and I was like I really want my bathroom to be like the green bathroom in The Shining so I always do think in terms of movie sets which is really interesting because there's so many people that I work with now especially florists and their backgrounds are all set designers um from the movie industry. And I think the two are really symbiotic because, you know, in a movie you're creating a world and an aesthetic, you know, you're doing like, say a wedding scene from the Godfather, which is amazing. Still love to do that. Um, and, uh, I get really inspired. Yeah. I get really inspired by the visual, um, identity of movies and the worlds that are created. I really do love, I, you know, maybe it sounds a bit boring, but I do love, um, Instagram. I do love Pinterest um, books that I have and also, you know, events and parties that I go to and I get very inspired by interiors. Yeah. I'd say I try and, uh, I, I'd say, you know, my, my tablescapes are very inspired by what I would want to do for my interiors. I have a leopard couch and then I would definitely have a leopard tablecloth and, and actually it's very inspired by my wardrobe as well. Yeah. I have to say, my tablescapes are very inspired by what I'm wearing or what I want to wear. Uh, and hotels. I love hotels. I'm completely obsessed with hotels and hotel bars. So, yeah, traveling as well. Any favorite hotel bars or hotels? Oh, gosh. Um, oh, so many. I mean, uh, I do love – I love the cost in Paris. I love, I, love, I love walking in there and I feel like you're in a jewelry box and the smell, the scent and – the velvet. Um, I love, I really like the Chiltern. I also feel like that's really beautifully cozy. Um, that's a really favorite hotel in London. I love Claridge's, adore Claridge's, like the Fumoir. I, you know, again, you're transported into another world, the ballroom in Claridge's, the Fumoir, um, the checkered marble hallway, the grand sleeping, uh, sweeping staircase, the beautiful wrought iron elevator. Um, and then, 
Yeah, I have. Yeah, so many, so many, and so many that I want to go to as well. I literally have aspirate like Quixmala in um, Mexico, someplace I really want to go to. Um, so yeah, I kind of collect. I have. Uh, I just love hotels. The Nomad in London, I think, is amazing. That's just been designed by Roman and Williams, and the ballroom there is all hand painted, and oh, it's just beautiful. So beautiful. Yeah, I love hotels. I would go, I go on holidays and I would go to a hotel. Now I sound like a Philistine, but I'm like, okay, so we're in Morocco. We mu- we're in Marrakesh. First stop, La Mamounia. You know, I always go to the, I, I just love checking out hotels and hotel bars and restaurants. I mean, I, I do go to national monuments. I'm not that much of a Philistine, but it, you know, the first hit is the hotel. And must be massively inspiring for for design as well. Yeah, definitely. Do you come back with suitcases full of stuff? Yes, I do. I joke um, because I always think, uh, you know, I've been asked a few times and people, it keeps coming up recently. You must do a book. You must do a book. And I'd really love to do a book. Um, But I do think my first book would be Strange Cargo because I think what is so funny, I've traveled so much with work and I constantly bring home, constantly and bringing home plates and uh, candelabra and Murano glass and candles. And, you know, I went to match, I went to Peru and I came back with all of these woven grass placemats and runners and, um, uh, yeah, like carved marble salt cellars and so much stuff. Yeah. Uh, so whenever I come back from holidays abroad, I, I, I kind of like strange cargo. Here we go. Yeah, it's not complete unless I have like a plate and some, I don't know, embellished, woven, embroidered something or other. <laughs> I love that. That's great. So we spoke about events and of course you've done some really grand ones with, I'm sure, mega budgets. But as far as I know, you're also an advocate of working with what you have and yeah. finding joy in the simple luxuries. Yeah. I mean, I think that the main thing is um, my mantra is really elevating the mundane. And, um, I really love that idea of elevating the ordinary in some ways, you know, that your mealtime or that your entertaining style, I'm so inspired by, um, Dorothy Draper, who wrote an amazing book called entertaining is fun. And she really kind of spelled it out. You know, it's, I think a lot of people can become very, um, you know, me included. And it was very true of, uh, you know, in interiors as well you know, people can feel like, oh gosh, if you don't have loads of money and you don't have huge budget and you need to be really extravagant, you really don't. And she had an amazing phrase. She's like, well, if your, if your budget is proletarian, you know, so should you you adapt your taste, but it doesn't need to be limiting. You know, you could serve a really great craft beer instead of champagne. If you don't have a dining table, you could have little card tables, you know, it's, you don't, you don't need to, um, you don't need to have lots of money to have a good time. You just need to know yourself, I think. And I think you need to, um, entertain and be yourself. And then it really comes across, you know, I think there's a huge charm in dirt floor decadence, um, you know, being barefoot with sawdust in, in a barn. And I, you know, I think that's really underrated and I definitely think, um, it, 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 entertaining is not something to be, um, threatened by or intimidated by you can totally do I mean I have definitely done this where I have done the most amazing tablescape and ordered pizza and had like shaved truffle on it and um you you know you don't need to be amazing at everything and you don't 
definitely you don't need to be extravagant. You don't need huge flower arrangements. Um, you know, you can have a paper tablecloth and you can have, um, I just love that. I kind of love that. I think that's really charming, you know? Um, and I do think, you know, candles are not the most expensive thing in the world. So I think if you have nothing else, uh, some really beautiful, um, candles illuminate everything. Yeah. So I think that's great. Yeah. It's, it's certainly possible to do it with all those lovely ideas. So based on lovely ideas as the queen of tablescaping, we have to ask you, are there any tips that you can share with our listeners? I think, well, my first tip is to all, like, it might sound really boring, but my first tip is to know the measurements of what you like to measure your table and to figure out how much space you have for everything. And it's something that I really didn't do when I started out, but I had so many ideas and I was always trying to fit lots of things on. Um, I would say measure and measure again and figure out how much space each person needs and figure out how big your table is. And also always try and keep things below eye level. Well, do keep things below eye level, but if something is above eye level, position it between people, but not like between where there's a gap, not where not like in front of people. Um, I always think it's, and the most pleasure I really get from doing what I do is doing little dress rehearsals. I always think when you're doing a take, especially for a special occasion, you need to do a dress rehearsal. So set everything up, even if it means photocopying a plate that looks like the, the plate that you're going to have or, you know, cutting out a paper napkin or something. I really like to do a little table setup and, um, and figure out, and you know, you'd be surprised what you end up editing in a way, um, because you can have so many ideas and then, you know, it, it depends on how much you, you really only have a limited amount of space really. So that's why I think doing a little rehearsal is quite good. Um, what's my other, well, I do love a tip of mine is always really to have plasmont because I really think it's handy for people to know where they're sitting and it's another kind of, um, touchstone. I think it's really nice for people to come to your house or to dinner and, you know, know that they've been anticipated and that somebody's written out their name or done something that it, that they can be like, Oh, wow, that's so nice. I've been thought about. And I think that's the charm of entertaining. It's that people feel kind of witnessed and seen. So I do think showing that you've anticipated where somebody's sitting is one of my, you know, I love it. And I love Plasmont. And I think that's a really um, beautiful way of elevating the table as well, which doesn't need to be expensive all very thoughtful um thoughtful suggestions for people when they are hosting what advice would you have for the host um to be uh to be prepared um and to, you know i would say do as much as possible in advance um i really love doing my table even the night before if i can or well in advance i like to really just now enjoy my own parties and i don't want to be fussed i don't want to be doing a million things and making cocktails and trying to make a ragu and, you know, making it. And I, I just think you have to, to pick what it is that you want to shine and you really need to pace yourself and you need to delegate as much as possible. There's absolutely no shame in delegating, I think. Um, so yeah, no. And also know your own strengths, like know your own strengths. Like I have, you know, you're just because you're throwing a dinner party does not mean you're just going to completely miraculously turn into like master chef. Um, 
or if if you're not really if you're not a florist there's no reason why you're you need to create your own you know beautiful arrangements just get somebody else to do it i just think delegate as much as possible um and also play on your own strengths you know if you are an if you have an incredible taste in music just make an amazing playlist and um you don't always have to do a tablescape you know i think it's quite charming to to not do that sometimes too so um yeah play on your strengths and relax and enjoy your own party yeah well the thing is that energy is everything right and i think a stressed host does not or hostess does not really translate into an amazing energy and i think that people really like you really get the energy of a host or hostess and if somebody's stressed um i think it's it's harder to for guests to enjoy themselves so yeah relax keyword relax and my final question if you had to choose what's the best bash you've ever been to and why Oh, the best bash I've ever been to. Um, oh, I was a guest at a wedding. Well, I was actually kind of Deja's guest, but and Deja was the, um, she was the wedding present or she was the surprise wedding surprise for somebody who was getting married in Lake Como. And I remember just thinking that was the coolest thing of a bride to kind of upstage herself at her wedding and have somebody appear out of nowhere in a, in a giant martini glass and everything was just, and it was by Lake Como and it was my first time there and it was just magical. There was fireworks. It was wonderful. So sublime. And um, that was probably one of the nicest. And also I wasn't working, so it was great. I, it was something that I had no no part in whatsoever. Um, I would say, you know, of course, my favorite parties are ones that I've been a guest at in some ways, because I think when you're doing something for a living and you're doing something and everything that you're, you know, your professional sense and everything relies on it, you're, you're you know, you can enjoy it, but it's, you know, you're there for work. So I would say the ones that I've enjoyed most, I've been a, um, a guest. Fiona, thank you so much. It's such a delight to speak to you. Aww. Thank you for taking the time to speak to us. Where can we follow you on social media or other platforms? Oh, so I'm Fiona Leahy Design on Instagram. And um, I, my website is launching as well, in, you know, in a couple of weeks, which has my store and my um, so shop the tablescape and also um, a gallery of my past events. Um, which, believe it or not, has taken me so long to get together. But um, I've been too busy creating events to actually kind of catalogue them and put them online. So, yeah, Instagram and uh, FionaLee.com. That's amazing. And I think you've got some really exciting collaborations at the moment out there. Yeah, I do. I My love of embroidery and embellishment led to an amazing collaboration with Hand and Lock. So we have done all these beautiful ribbons that can be used for place settings, for Christmas crackers, for they could even go on Christmas trees, wherever. Um, and they are monogrammed. And that's what Hand and Lock, that's been such a joy to do. I love it. We've done like martini glasses and love hearts and mistletoe and we're going to do another um collaboration for spring summer and then i've also got an incredible entertaining diary with smiteson so which is so great i, I love smiteson and um it's another heritage brand i adore and i love i'm obsessed with keeping notes and diaries and writing things down so this was a real joy to do but it also my mantra of like you know size matters and measurements matter we made the bookmark um, into a measuring tape 
which I love. Um, and then there's lots of pages for notes and scribbles, but I've done lots of diagrams with, you know, how many people you considered a certain size table, how much space each person needs, you know, all of those little um, handy tips and, and, and a lot of um, fun tips and hacks. Yeah. So that's out now as well. Thank you, Fiona. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, please do rate and review us. Catch you next time.